What is going on, everybody? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Bullpen Cart Podcast, presented by Thunderblogsports.com. It's Monday morning, before work, sitting here. The Phillies have lost the World Series to the Houston Astros. Four games to two, lost in game six on Saturday night. Last spoke to you when they lost game five on Thursday night. And uh, yeah, game six was a heartbreaker, to say the least. The, obviously, the Jordan Alvarez home run, uh, the sh- not the actual shot heard around the world, but the, you know, the shot heard all around Philadelphia or whatever you want to call it. Um, an absolute bomb to break the hearts of millions and millions of people that are fans of the Philadelphia Phillies that hate the Houston Astros and, and everything there. The season's over, and... You know, it, it's going to take a little while to not be depressed about it. And, um, you know, I, I thought I wanted to do this episode. Let's start there. I wanted to do this regardless of how the World Series went and, um, you know, try to be a good sport about it. I tried to do that on Saturday night, only congratulating Dusty Baker with a ton of people. Ton of my friends replying, like, no, 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 you know, fuck them, fuck the Astros, fuck everybody, and, and everything. And um, it still, it still just doesn't feel great that <laughs> they lost. And it hasn't even been 36 hours. It's you know Monday morning before work. I wanted to try to do this on, last night on Sunday night, but the Sunday night football game actually ended up being really good. So I ended up watching that, and uh, you know, here we are. But looking at the Phillies and I am going to jump into some football kind of a, kind of like those old weekend recap episodes I used to do try try to do that this shouldn't be a long episode but I want to talk about the Phillies first and you know collect my thoughts and and talk about it first of all game 6 uh you know it was great that Kyle Schwarber got a home run but the team only amassed after the no-hitter eight total hits and I think that's the the staying point I know a lot of people are pissed off at Rob Thompson for ripping Zach Wheeler out with 70 pitches. Not something I would have done, but I'm also not a baseball manager. But, you know, it's what he did. It's what he did to get us there. Um, The offense is built, or the team is built around the offense, scoring as many runs as humanly possible. And in two games at home, you score two runs over two games. Obviously, you got no hit in one of them. And then the final game, you only score the one run. And, uh, you know, that, that was that. And eight eight total hits, situational hitting completely went out the window. The manager just ran out. The Astros pitching, we talked about it before the series. You probably heard it from every talking head out there, just how deep it was, and it showed. You know, the Phillies just couldn't get something going. Obviously, you know, the, the trios or the, if you want to loop in, just the quad box of the th- f- uh, two to five hitters of Hoskins, Romito, Harper and Castellanos um, all hitless, especially in game six and only mustered one walk. And I think in game five, they were practically hitless or they might've been completely hitless. Yeah. Cause Gene, it was again, Kyle Schwarber home run and yeah, the Segura, the Segura RBI. And um, you know, that's not great. It's something we've seen the Phillies do a number of times where in those moments in July, August, and at points in September, the daycare, the bottom of the lineup, would pick them up, and that wasn't the case. And, you know, 
the Magic just ran out, and it sucks. It really sucks. And you have the Astros and, and the really shitty thing, the broadcast, like trying to turn around the whole cheating thing. And, and I don't think they cheated in this World Series. I, I think it'd be, if you really think they did because of the illegal bat or be whatever uh, Valdez was doing in Game 2, you know, you're just you're grasping at straws trying to find excuses there. I don't think they did here, but the everything surrounding 2017 did. It's been discussed ad nauseum by so many people, but don't tell us to get over it because it's so crazy of how everything went there and not just Philadelphia, but so many other franchises are still pissed off about it. So Fox trying to shove that down our throats and saying, how fun is this? Nobody thought that was fun unless you were a fan of the Texans, the Astros. The Texans lost. They lost to the Eagles. Um, but I don't want to dive into the negatives because people are pissed off at Reese Hoskins for his... Error in Game 5, which sucks. And, you know, he had a, a number of those glove-related errors throughout the playoff run. And the, the offense was at least able to pick him up in the NLCS when they tried to give away Game 3. And even in the lower-scoring games when, you know, the rain costs or anything to throw wild pitches, Bryce Harper has the home run. But we didn't have those moments in the World Series. You know, the only the only time they did was Game 3. And obviously game one with the comeback, but you know, it just, the magic ran out and it's depressing that they lost, but to try to spin it a positive way, I mentioned that Cubs series when Matt and I did the the preview of game five that was preceded by me reacting to game five on Thursday. But I mentioned that Cubs series, you know, with the less than 10 games left, they get swept and it felt like they were going to completely screw it up. And obviously they go into Washington, they win three of four, they win that final game, basically final game, game one, 60, the last two games effectively didn't matter. They win that game and they get into the playoffs. And, but if you told me the Phillies were going to make the world series at any moment in over those final 10 games before they went to St. Louis, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought that was possible. Having said that, I talked myself into all four series being wins, especially St. Louis. I, I went into that fairly confident that they would win that because they had played well in St. Louis. St. Louis obviously had added players to the deadline, so it was a little nerve-wracking. But once they came back in that game, game two, you figure, should be good to go. Atlanta, I felt confident, but I still was worried because the Braves are so fucking good and that they're the Braves. And it brings thinking about that and if they were to make the playoffs and play the Braves again and what the Braves could possibly do either through free agency or through just little mini deals, the deadline and how good they're going to be, you know, it it's crazy. And then once they got to the Padres, it was, you know, let's just, let's try to jump on them. And they did, they obviously did. They won in five games. And with Houston, I wasn't sure. I convinced myself they could do it, but I wasn't sure. And when they won game one, when they won game three, it felt like the magic was team of destiny type of stuff. And I think a lot of Philadelphians got into that. And it sucks they lose three games in a row. They get no hit in one of them. Four hit or four hits a game between the final two, only amassing three runs. Two of them by way of Kyle Schwarbombs, which you know, the guy's going to have a Wawa deal for the rest of his life. He probably has a million deals in Chicago for the rest of his life. And now he has that in another city too, just for guiding a team back into the playoffs for the first time in 11 years and then being the 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 spark the bright spot of the the offense throughout all four rounds but um yeah 
thinking about this and, and thinking that they could have actually gotten to the World Series at the beginning of October is crazy to look back on. And I know I will look back on this team like I look back on the the non-08 teams of the 2007 to 2011 run. And I'll look back on them fondly. And the Phillies have only made eight World Series in nearly 140 years. And, you know, that's not great. Being one of the oldest National League teams and not having that level of success that a lot of the Phillies peers have. But it's there is hope. You know, Bryce Harper comes out and says that we're going to have more pieces, which immediately sparks Trey Turner interest. If not him, then Xander Bogarts or somebody. And, you know, we got to see him do it. But we've seen this happen before. Of They re-signed JT. They signed Bryce Harper. They made the trade for JT. Or, you know, you know hopefully we see that. But I... I'm proud of this team of following it throughout this year. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to, you know, I've always been excited to be a Phillies fan. Even when the team's absolute garbage, there's 12,000 people at Citizens Bank Park. And, you know, you're watching some random player, the Peter Borges of the world, the uh, Mario Hollings of the bullpens. And, you know, it's exciting that the Phillies, and this is a, take that so many people have had, but it's exciting that the Phillies brought baseball and excitement for baseball back to Philadelphia. But uh, yeah, this loss stinks. It really does. And, um, you know, it stings more than I thought it was going to because I figured the the Astros, you, you'd heard it on this podcast of how good they were and what they were able to do. They're pitching astrono- astronomically low, and I meant for a pun there, but not really great pun. It sounds like a pun, uh, <laughs> but astronomically low numbers, really good offense, and you know they got guys that have, are so young they weren't even on that 2017, which is 2017 team, which is like the ultimate whatever of you know Ken Rosenthal trying to stuff it down our throats about the cheating thing, which just fucking sucks. They still did, they still cheated then, but. I'm not going to dive into that. Um, I said it before with the the Wheeler stuff. It, that stings just because he was dealing in that inning. You, you felt like there was going to be a run coming in, which is the only like bit of solace I can take from it because you, you didn't think you were going to win a game one nothing. I know in game one of the NLCS, Rob Thompson did something similar to that of pulling him, bringing Alvarado against Darvish. They end up winning that game 2 nothing, And... Um, you know, to think that with a runner on third, with even if it's not Alvarez, it's Bregman, it's Tucker, guys that had their moments in the World Series. And it's hard to think that with, you know, with one out, that one of them isn't going to get a hit or at least hit a ball into the outfield to get the uh, you know, the sacrifice fly, which w- probably would have needed to be Alvarez, but because um, it was one out in the situation. But God, that just sucks. It just really sucks. And now the discourse of, oh, was that the right call? The offense stunk in the last two games. That's that's what I'm going to stick with. And I know it's like, it's the, you know, people are going to want to be upset at Alvarado. They're going to be upset at whomever. And, uh, you know, they need to, they do need to address that too, though. They need to find somebody else in the bullpen to, uh, 
you know, help lock that down a little more for the ninth inning, have it an established closer, love another starter, you know, love to see another big name in the bat. Whatever those pieces are, Bryce, bring them here because Philadelphia is now all the way behind you, not just the Philly die, the Phillies diehards, but everybody's behind you. And that's, that's great. And again, I'll, I'll look back on this with fondness and see everything there of how happy I'll be that they even made it. And again, didn't think that we're going to get this far. And I know I'm rambling here. I'm going to, I'm going to continue on again. Don't mean for this to be a long episode. We're going to talk a little football and then uh, send you on to your week. But man, it, uh, it stinks, but kind of in, in a retrospect of thinking about 2017, not the Astros, but obviously that was the first year of the podcast. And <laughs> I didn't know when the Phillies were going to be this relevant again. <laughs> I just wanted to talk about baseball with my friends. And, um, you know, the fact that they, they did that is in, you know, the sixth year of this, you know, where I got so cock- so cocky when they signed Bryce Harper, be like, oh, whatever, they don't need it. They don't need great pitching. And, you know, they got close, fell apart. 2020, the weird year, weird COVID year. They get Wheeler. Wheeler looks great. Harper looks even better, which is the one thing to be, you know, I didn't really address Castellanos and I addressed Reese's glove. His bat is so streaky, but Castellanos, a really bad year, but that's the one thing I guess you can hold your hat on is Harper's first year was his worst of his, of his now four years in Philadelphia. So we, it's not, you know, it's not the end of the world for Castellanos just having a down year. The adjustments, all that. You saw it with Lindor, with the Mets. Um, so hopefully he's better and he finds it a little a little more in, in 2023. Wow, that's crazy to think. It's November and I'm already not used to thinking 2023. But yeah, it's going to be exciting. The offseason is going to be fun. And um, you know, I appreciate you all being here on the ride that's been the last six years almost six years, but six baseball seasons. And I know at times our baseball coverage gets spotty. Um, at times our football coverage has gotten spotty. You know, we're adults, me, Greg, Matt, uh, anybody else that jumps on. We have, you know, a ton of things in our lives. Matt now is the baby. Greg's super busy with work. I get super busy with work. So, you know, if you get upset that we're not covering it every week or, you know, if we have bits and, Bits and pieces that get, get that get spotty. I know we used to do two shows a week when it was you know September October and going nuts about everything. And we tried to we've tried our best to do that. So thank you for understanding and thank you for being here. And it's been so much fun. But with it being November seventh, we talked about it last week. The first college football playoff rankings, and they're going to be very different going forward. Tennessee loses to Georgia. Not a shock to anybody. That game got uh, a game got bad quick. So much so, we fully set our TV on the Union. I, if that grammatically makes sense, I don't, I don't know if it does. It's Monday. It's early, but we put the game on the Union. Which the other thing of the Philadelphia losing two championships thing um, that sucks. But Georgia beats beats Tennessee. The weird. Number one ranked Tennessee Volunteers. Ohio State wins, not in a huge, huge win over Northwestern, but they still win. 
Michigan comes back after being down at halftime and smacks Rutgers. Alabama loses to LSU in overtime. Alabama had a rally to force overtime. Then LSU goes for two, wins 32-31. The rankings are going to be wild when we see how they come out. I think the consensus is the top four is going to be Georgia, OSU, Michigan, TCU. And then where the rest of the top 10 falls with LSU, who is 10th, beating Bama, their only SEC loss is to Tennessee, which means they have control of the SEC West, meaning that if they win out, they win their final couple games, they go to the SEC championship game. They have to win their final three games. They do. But they would go, and Alabama would not. Alabama has two losses, two losses before the Iron Bowl for the first time in forever. And this is such a crazy swing of events that you weren't entirely sure weren't going to were going to happen. Brian Kelly's first year loses the first game, he gets smacked by Tennessee, and you're thinking like this is this is, you know, not going great. He leaves Notre Dame, who Notre Dame beats Clemson. I didn't even mention that. Notre Dame beats Clemson and not even just beats them. They beat the absolute piss out of Clemson. Clemson scored a couple touchdowns late, but it was 21 nothing at one point. It was that game in the Alabama LSU game. I, I didn't watch either. I saw the highlights after the fact because it was during the same time as game six. But I'm looking at these scores thinking this is a seismic night in college football. And it sucks that the Phillies end up losing and I'm super depressed and all that. But things have gotten so crazy. And what's going to be interesting about where five, six, seven, eight all fall is. USC only beats Cal by six points. Oregon smacks Colorado. They're not out of it. We talked about it. The, the uh, Pac-12 not dead yet. One of my favorite times of the year is when they're dead, but they're not dead yet. But Clemson with a loss and not a lot of great wins under their belt. They probably should have lost to Wake Forest. They should have lost to Syracuse, who now all of a sudden, them barely beating Syracuse. Syracuse lost three in a row, two in a row since the Clemson debacle. That, that win isn't great. Wake Forest win is not particularly great because they lost to NC State. Where is Clemson going to fall in this? It's been such a talking point for years, and Clemson was able to back it up because they win national championships. But the ACC stinks. It's not good. And them with one loss, if TCU goes undefeated, you think they're in. And then you have this conversation surrounding the SEC with Alabama having two losses and not having an opportunity to play in the SEC championship game probably excludes them. We've never seen a two-loss team get into the into the playoff. Maybe if LSU wins the the SEC at at uh, eleven and two, maybe you see them get there, which would be. You know, it would, it would be interesting. But Clemson, if they go 12-1 and one and they had such a shitty year, we've seen undefeated teams get left out. And granted, they were they were a group of five teams. But they, yeah, it 
if you're a pack or a Big 12 fan and you're seeing this, if you're a TCU fan, when the TCU Baylor, they got screwed by the not having the championship game. They both had one loss. And, uh, you know, you're seeing that and Ohio State got in and blah, blah, blah. And obviously Ohio State won the championship that year. So it kind of gets lost to history. But you almost have to feel so vindicated with with Clemson losing. And it's so interesting. The tinfoil hat of what might happen with these rankings and where we might go up and down to see how this top 10 builds. See Ole Miss. They're playing Alabama this weekend. They're going to probably be, eh, they might stay at 11. They might. It really depends. They could jump into the top 10 to make the, you know, the same thing I was talking about before. The whole, you know, this, uh, the, the, you're trying to drum up ratings thing, which again, don't show the fucking bracket. You knew that wasn't happening. Show If you want to show brackets, just show them by themselves. Show Tennessee and Georgia by themselves because it was basically a play-in game to get into the SEC championship because now there's no way Tennessee's getting into the playoff. Regardless. Regardless. UCLA has a good record. This is becoming such an interesting shuffling of events. And I'm, I'm so excited to break it down. When the second poll comes out tomorrow night... It's going to be great. It's going to be so fun. Does Alabama even stay in the top 10? You think they might, but where, you know, where do they go? Do they, you rank them ahead of the Pac-12 opponents? Do you you can't rank them ahead of LSU. You certainly can't do that. Where does Tennessee fall? They probably fall to like fifth or sixth, but I, I wouldn't even imagine Tennessee. Tennessee can't have a, have a potential way to get into the college football playoff. If you put them at fifth, they're just basically being a placeholder to look better for rankings. That's really about it. But it's so great. And now, before I really ramble in in on this, because I need to get to work, I promised you a shorter show. Do want to talk about this week in the NFL yesterday, which was probably the perfect NFL day that I needed after the Phillies lost. Chaotic week nine. The let's start at noon. An hour before the game start, Emily asks me, hey, are any of these games, are there any good games today? And I go, oh, well, the 1 o'clock slate's kind of shitty. The afternoon should be good. And um, the 1 o'clock slate ended up being fantastic. It ended up being awesome. And the game we watched was the New York Jets taking down the Buffalo Bills 20-17. to The Jets had control of this game for a while. The Bills end up tying it up. The Jets take a late lead and then shut down the Bills. Sauce Gardner, the game of his life, maybe not. Maybe maybe not even because he he's had great games throughout the year. He shut down Tyreek Hill earlier where they beat the Dolphins. And the Jets are 6-3 and three and a half a game behind the Bills in the AFC East. And this is so nuts. It was the first time the Bills and Jets had met when both teams were over 500 in 11 years, which is wild to think about. But the Jets... All of a sudden, now you're really thinking this could be serious. Michael Carter had an incredible game. He stepped up huge since Brees Hall went down. The Bills, you had the quote with Josh Allen after the game. It's hard to win when you're playing a good team. Your quarterback's playing like shit. He didn't have a great game, and the Jets' defense was ready to play. They were ready to to go against the against the Bills and shut down Josh Allen, confuse him. He didn't have a great game. And that's what happens in the NFL. Sometimes you have a bad game. But the Jets, 
now are really in position where so many teams on both conferences don't look like they really can muster anything together. And if you're going to sit here and look at it, right now they would be in the playoffs, but the other teams that are around them, the Dolphins and the maybe the Bengals because of their huge game with Joe Mixon looking great and Joe Burrow having a game. Granted, it was against the Carolina Panthers. But if you're looking at the Chargers, are you really, if you're a Jets fan, are you really that scared of the Chargers? I wouldn't be. The Chargers barely beat the fucking Falcons. They have looked bad in some of their wins. They really can't get it together. And we, t- Michael J. Clark talked about this a couple weeks ago. The Chargers just finally, you know, the woe is me. Maybe you're just not really that great of a team. Maybe you're not. And I was, you know, fantasy-wise, I thought anybody cares, heavily invested. I have Justin Herbert in a couple leagues. And he just hasn't looked great this year. Maybe it's a down year. Maybe it's a down first half of the season. But man, oh man, the Jets, you got to be pumped about them. And not to, you know, take away from some of these other good games. The Dolphins had a really good win against the Bears. Some Bears fans are upset because there was maybe pass interference. There were some weird calls throughout the day. But uh, last thing on the Jets, the coin flip guy, if you missed this, a dude apparently in August just picked the Jets record flipping a quarter, and he's gotten every game right, the first six games. And the best part, if you're a Jets fan, is that he has the next two games as losses. So if they lose the next two games, you go, all right, well, coin flip guy, he has us then winning Five in a row, and then losing to the Dolphins in Week 18. He has them going 11-6, and six, and then losing in the AFC Championship game. Coin flip guy. That might be your new thing. Fuck Fireman Ed. You got coin flip guy. But anyway, yeah, I mentioned the Bengals. Joe Mixon's incredible game. Nuts to see there. Uh, the Patriots coming back, and now are 5-4, and four, and really just put the clamp down on a hurting, hurting Indianapolis Colts team. Um, burying the lead a little bit. The Packers lost to the Lions. Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what you're doing, buddy. You are having... I didn't even mention the crazy starts of uh, of the Bills-Chats game. But very similar. Josh Allen threw a red zone pick early. Aaron Rodgers threw a couple of those. And just really is not connected to some of his players. And the, the Lions, you know, similar way. They came in with a game plan and, and they figured it out. The Dolphins beat the Bears. I mentioned that. Bears fans are upset about it. The Vikings come back to beat the Commanders and the party of the century, what it looked like. It made the Phillies locker rooms or clubhouse celebrations look like fucking kids parties where Kirk Cousins is shirtless with chains on and people are going nuts about that. We get to the afternoon games. The Seahawks showing there for real, beating down on on the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals just, you know, couldn't keep up with them. And the, the Seahawks are just a good team. Pete Carroll showing he's still a good coach, and that's great for them. The Bucks rams game, kind of a stinker, but Tom Brady showing vintage Tom late in the game. First quarterback ever at 100,000 passing yards, including the playoffs, which is insane, insane to think about. But yeah, this game kind of stunk. Two offenses that I think have just kind of, they've been you know taking steps out of, you know, out of sync, I think, and defenses, but you know that you thought weren't very good that just looked better. But some of that's just from 
bad play. There were some bad drops early from both sides of the ball. But Tom Brady, late late drive, wins the game, and he goes, that was fucking awesome. In the press conference afterwards, that was pretty great to see. And then I mentioned the Chiefs take down the Titans in overtime. The Titans came out there, and they punched the Kansas City Chiefs in the mouth. I was thinking, oh, I'm going to watch the first half. Probably Chiefs pull away. Come up here, try to do this 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 episode, or maybe just go to bed. You know, tired from watching the Phillies for a week and all that stuff. And but this game got really good. The Chiefs were never totally out of it. Although you thought it felt at times where the Titans had an eight point lead and the Chiefs just weren't getting anything going, and then the Titans' offense just really stalled out and they couldn't get anything going. The Chiefs' defense kind of tightened the screws a little bit, and you know. Hurts, and this isn't me as an Eagles fan trying to come up and jump down Titans' throats or anything, uh, but they show the graphic of the total yardage of the wide receivers and A.J. Brown's total yardage, and A.J. Brown has more in uh, eight games than the Titans do in eight games, or at the time, like seven and a half, seven and a half plus, and no wide receivers had a catch. Obviously, even Malik Willis in there because Ryan Tannehill was hurt. Derrick Henry was having quite the first half, and he kind of got slowed down. You have Hilliard in there, who usually comes in for the passing plays because he's a little more of the the, the dynamic scat back type of, type of player. But you never count out the Chiefs. This is what they do. Patrick Mahomes using his legs. And one of, one of the most insane setups for a two-point play. There were penalties all over the place. Dude's helmets flying everywhere. And... You know, it ends up being Mahomes running in the two-point conversion to tie it. It goes to overtime, and the Chiefs get the ball first. The Chiefs march down the field. You think, shit, they're going to score a touchdown. And this, we're not going to see the Titans get the ball and you know, the whole conversation around overtime and yada, yada. And the Titans, Titans step up and force the Chiefs to kick a field goal. And their offense just really ran out of steam. They took penalties. They got sacked. And... They go out. They go basically three and out. They turn the ball over on four downs, and the Chiefs win this thing. But it, it was I was hoping so much, and I think it, I I don't really know if the Titans would have played for a tie if they had gotten down there. But I was hoping for a tie. I just want another tie this year. Ties are when it's not the Eagles in a tie. Rooting for the tie is just chaos, and we still the Steelers beating the the Bengals in Week One. We got ripped. From having two by two ties in a week, which you know I can't even think the last. Or it's probably not that long ago. The last time we had two ties in the season, but man, ties are always just funny. They, they throw the half games in there at the end of the season and all this crazy nonsense. And uh, but yeah, a wild week. We still got the Saints and the Ravens, which uh, you know I think should be a shitty game, but who the fuck knows at this point. Who the fuck knows? This week has been chaos football-wise. Fortunately, chaotic evil baseball-wise. But it's been a great week. And we will be back later this week. Matt and I will uh, break down the upcoming week of football, the new poll, all of that later this week. But thank you so much for listening. Again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being along on this ride. Uh, It means a ton to me with the Phillies and everything there. Um, but we will talk to you soon. I am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. Have a great week, and fly, Eagles, fly, baby.